Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. But dreaming, it is important. And the reason why we call it dream, think, do is the dreaming is where we say, what if, what would we love to achieve? What would we love to experience? What would we love to have out there in the world? And then the thinking is putting the plan in place. The doing is implementation. So for my clients, it's giving them a chance, giving them space, giving them some exercises to help them do that, to dream again. And for successful people, that feels risky because for some people, if they're being real honest, that next season looks like change again. And once we speak to that, once we speak to that tension, like, yeah, absolutely, that that can feel scary. That can, But at the same time, if we can recognize that the difference between fear and euphoria is generally perspective, oftentimes, unless we're talking about some crazy man wielding a knife. But like when it comes to like going out and achieving things, oftentimes fear and excitement it's just one degree difference. It's how we look at it. And and it's funny because a lot of times with my founders and entrepreneurs, as you can imagine, once we reframe that to go, yeah, that's fear. And doesn't that freaking feel good again? Don't you feel alive again? Like, oh, that's why you got into this. It's an adventure and it's, it's a lot of fun. So helping them get clear, put a plan in place and then start to implement like crazy. Hey, thanks for listening in on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. Today's guest is Mitch Matthews. Mitch is a business owner, author, podcaster, and an elite coach. I know Mitch by being a student of his elite coaching program, and I instantly found myself connected to his teaching methods and easygoing style. Mitch has a very successful podcast, Dream, Think, Do, and has interviewed many well-known people, including Oscar winners and New York Times bestselling authors, people like Brendan Burchard, Lewis Howes, Jillian Michaels, Sarah Haynes from The View, and many others. In this episode, we talk about a mentor that Mitch had in an early age who was instrumental in Mitch becoming an entrepreneur, how grit and perseverance can play an important role to becoming a successful business leader, what it's like to interview famous guests, Mitch's approach to effective marketing, and perhaps most importantly, Mitch tells us about his puppy, Hero. Talking with Mitch was a blast. He's such a fun, authentic, genuine person to talk with. I think you'll really enjoy this conversation. As always, I really appreciate you listening and giving me your feedback. Have a great one. Hey, Mitch, welcome to the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. I'm so excited to be talking with you today. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm excited. I'm honored. Thanks for being part of this. I'm super excited too. Hey, can we start out our discussion just telling us a little bit about you and what you do and what makes you tick? 
I love it. People ask me like, what's your job title? And I can give them a position. But when I boil it down in the end, I'm a catalyst is what I've found out for a lot of people. So a catalyst and an encourager, and oftentimes a storyteller. So the way that that presents itself as far as a profession or a career track or whatever is I'm a success coach, much like yourself, success coach, a podcaster. So we're playing from the same play card, which is awesome. And oftentimes I'll wind up being a speaker as well. And then most importantly, I'm a husband and a dad and a pet owner and all of that as <laughs> yeah. well. Yeah, I've read your book. It's awesome. Ignite. Thank you. Listen to your podcast. It's awesome. Thank you. Been in your course that so you can. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a fanboy here. I'm honored. My gosh, if I've got cool people like you that are engaged like that, I'm I've made it. I'm done. I'm calling my dad. It's like, I, I did it. <laughs> There's all a lot of different things here, you know, author, podcaster. Do you find one more rewarding than the other? Do you kind of view it as all one thing? Can you share a little bit in terms of what fulfills you in, in doing all these different things? That's a great question. So it's a combination of things in that one is I have a short attention span. I know that I got to keep variety, you know, and it's interesting. I just interviewed somebody about grit and tenacity. And one of the things she talked about, especially because she's been digging into the research of what COVID and this past year and a half or so have done to our psyche and all of those things and what it's done to our ability to have grit and to stay with something persistence. And she said, it's interesting, but one of the rising factors, and she doesn't know, you know, obviously I played a part, but it's playing a part even more in recent research on grit and persistence is novelty, having a little bit of novelty in your life. And so I looked at that and goes, ah, that helps to explain my short attention span, right? But she said that novelty is one of the things that allows you, especially in this last year and a half, just even a little introduction of novelty allows you to persist. And I think that's really important. So to your point, I coach, I do my podcast, which is called Dream Think Do. I do speaking, storytelling, writing, those kinds of things. So there is variety, but all of it falls under an umbrella. And I believe in prayer and faith. Faith is a big part of my life. And, you know, I always say that I feel like I was put here to help other people figure out why they were put here. So kind of everything falls under that umbrella. So my coaching, oftentimes I'm working with entrepreneurs and leaders helping them to become better versions of themselves, helping them to figure out what they want more of in their life. And oftentimes it boils down to what the heck am I, what am I here for? You know? <laughs> right. So I'm doing that. And then with dream think do I'm helping people dream bigger, think better and do more of what they were put on the planet to do all of that. But because there's some variety there, I think it does introduce a fair amount of novelty, which helps to keep me going. But all that to say that, each one of those things brings a sense of satisfaction, but I love podcasting as you're experiencing, like you're going to impact thousands and thousands of people this way. And that's fantastic. You know, it, it goes out and oftentimes you'll get feedback from the audience. You'll hear that, boy, this particular episode really helps somebody or this strategy made all the difference. And that's great. You do get some of that feedback, but I love to pair that work with thousands and thousands of people to the one-on-one -on -one with coaching where I'm working intently and intensely and intentionally with one person over a period of time. So it really does, uh, you know, I've kind of found a way to scratch all the itches as well. Yeah. The variety that really speaks to me. 
one of the reasons I love working with clients, business owners, individuals, is everybody brings their own story. And it's just so fun because it's helping them find their own journey and how they connect. And that's one thing that, and it sounds like very similar to what you're saying, it's that variety that kind of rekindles your grit and your desire to push forward and to help people. So I love, I love that. I've learned a lot about you. And one of the things you've talked about is early in your entrepreneurial journey, very young age, you knew a guy named Marty uh-huh. and uh, he hired you. Yes. And um, it seemed like he had a pretty big impression on you, maybe even pivotal in terms of how your life went. Can you share a little bit of that and how pivotal was it, do you think, when you reflect back on it? Absolutely pivotal. So I grew up in a small town in Newton, Iowa, which is a fantastic town. I always joke, but it's absolutely true. It could be one of those towns that's featured in a Hallmark Christmas movie because it had the courthouse in the square and all these little nice shops and stores around it. And Two blocks off the square was Marty Schwinn Cyclery, which was heaven to me. I had fallen. I was kind of a weird kid, which may not be a surprise, (laughs) but I was kind of a weird kid. And I I fell in love with a number of different things that weren't necessarily the norm in a small town in Iowa. I didn't play football well. I didn't play baseball well. I, you know, didn't do that kind of normal sports well, but I fell in love with bikes, you know, push bikes, 10 speeds, 12 speeds at the time. And being kind of an extreme kid. I started to hang out at this bike shop and I was 12 years old that summer. Uh, I spent every waking moment there. I started, even at that age, I realized I probably didn't understand stalker laws or (laughs) being arrested for loitering. I didn't fully understand those things, but I knew I needed to make myself useful or I was going to get kicked out. So, you know, I just started to do whatever I could to not get in trouble. So, you know, I dusted down bikes. I wiped off the counter. I mowed Marty's lawn, sometimes with his permission, sometimes without all of that, just to do whatever. I could to just stay there. And I didn't know it at the time. I thought I was just fascinated with bikes. And I did. I loved bikes. I loved everything about them. I loved the smell of WD-40 in the air. But at the same time, I was falling in love with entrepreneurism. There was something about Marty coming in and it was a hole in the wall shop. I mean, literally there was an accident that involved dynamite. I'll never forget. There was an accident that involved dynamite and I was leaning against the outer wall and the dynamite, there was a blast about two miles away and it sent this burst of air and our wall moved, you know, like that's, that's how much of a, you know, just a hole in the wall place it was, but it was fantastic. And at the end of that summer, Marty said, and his wife, Sherry, Marty and Sherry Doan, they asked if I could ride up with my parents and talk with them. And I thought, oh, this is it. I'm in trouble, you know, that kind of thing. And they they actually talked to my parents and said, hey, Mitch has been hanging out here this summer. My mom's like, oh, I'm so sorry, you know. And they're like, no, he's a great kid. We'd like to hire him. Are you okay with that? And by that time, I turned 13. And so I remember riding home with my parents on our bikes and me screaming the whole way. Like, I got my dream job. I got my dream job. You know, here I am at 13 years old, understanding I had actually landed a dream job. And Marty, absolutely. It's one of those things that we as coaches, part of our role is to hold people as capable, right? And Marty did that in spades. He probably trusted me way before than he should have. You know, at 14, I had a key. At 15, I was managing people. I was training people on how to sell, those kinds of things. And it was absolutely one of those things where he saw more in me than I did, but he drew that out. And it started with the passion of bikes. But honestly, 
Tyler, by the time I was 16, I wasn't riding bikes much. I was ordering Oakley sunglasses and I was scheduling salespeople and I was, you know, doing all these things. And my passion had fully transferred from biking to entrepreneurism and it just bit me and changed my life. Wow. Wow. That's a cool story. And that gets me into the next thing I wanted to talk with you about. I had mentioned I'm part of your program. Love it. Big fan of it. Thank you. So glad you're there. Teaching is amazing. When you marketed to me originally or marketed on Facebook, I signed up for a lot of these courses and they're free challenges. And, you know, I see this guy pitching something and I'm like, ah, okay, another free course. Just another one of those guys. I'll check it out. I got nothing to lose. (laughs) And I mean, you sucked me in. Like for one, you don't come off salesy in any way. No salacious, I'm going to make you a millionaire in two weeks. Lamborghinis. I think I promised three Lamborghinis in 30 days or less or something, didn't I? I mean, that always works so well. I may have been confusing it, but I think that was a poolside <laughs> scene, but I don't know. We'll talk about that yeah, another exactly job. Exactly right. <laughs> no promises of Lamborghinis made. Yeah. It was just a lot of valuable content. I think it was five to seven days. I don't remember now, yep. but of just nonstop content. And so my question to you is this. How did you develop that marketing style? Is it conscious? Is it who you are? I don't know your numbers, but it's got to be effective because if it gets me to open up my wallet and when I am already set not to do that, that's pretty legit. Ah, that's music to my ears. Not that you just bought something, but it's (laughs) it's like, honestly, when we designed our programs, I wanted to help amazing, authentic people who really want to build amazing profitable businesses that make the world a better place. That truly was at the core of my why. I I really do. And so in some ways, I set that intent and that drives my marketing. Now, you ask me like, how did I arrive at that? And it's because I made a bunch of mistakes. I'll be perfectly honest. When I came out of the pharmaceutical world, just to kind of, we'll time jump back just real quick. I did work for Marty all the way through college At the end of college, I thought, could I start my business now? And I thought, you know what? I'll go get paid by somebody else to go learn more business strategies, went into the corporate world. But then in 2002, I launched my own business. And to be perfectly honest, when I came out of the pharmaceutical world, started my own business, I started more with a persona strategy. Now, that's not what I would have called it. But when I look back, it was plainly that. I basically decided, I was asking myself questions, hey, what kind of car do I want to drive? You know, because that was one of the first decisions I had to make coming out of the pharmaceutical world. They had given me a corporate car for years. Now I got to buy my own car. I didn't ask myself, what kind of car do I want to drive? Jeep Wrangler. You know, I asked myself, what kind of car should a successful coach drive? And so I, I bought a used red Mercedes. Now, nothing wrong with Mercedes, but that wound up being the most problematic car I've ever had in my life. And I think partly it was just God's sense of humor that he really wanted me to get it, that if I'm making decisions based on what I think other people want or expect, those decisions will always fail me. But if I make decisions, whether it's how I'm going to market myself, whether it's how I'm going to put my business together, if I'm making those decisions based on how, how I think people will want me to or the expectations of someone else, it's not going to be authentically me, but it's also not going to be something I'm going to want to sustain and make make effective and successful. So 
I've burned a lot of mistakes early on so that I could later on say, you know what, this is the way that we want to do it. And so, you know, one of the things with our challenge, it's a five-day challenge. My goal is to, and we actually just got this feedback today. You'll appreciate this, Tyler. Somebody just went through a challenge and they're like, I got more out of your challenge than of course I spent $10,000 on. Yeah. And there was a little bit of, are you nuts? You know, like, are you kidding me? But I know part of our thing is, is that I want people to experience fully what it's like to work with us. So why would I hold back? Two, I want to be a blessing to everybody we come in contact with. But it's, you know, three, those like yourself, like you are an excellent example. You are exactly who we want to attract. Somebody who's intentional, somebody who's going to actually implement, somebody who's going to go out, make the world a better place. And I believe make a lot of money as you do it, right? Because you're you're blessing people's socks off. That's the kind of people we attract. And what's also wild, as you know, is we make people work right. during a free challenge. Like, you know, I always say, like, if you're going to join our mastermind as an example, you're going to work. Like, there is no promise of the mansions and three Lamborghinis in 30 days or less. But if you work the plan, it will, there's a very good chance it's going to work really, really well for you. So I don't want to attract people that are going to go, ah, this is work. You never told me that. It's like, no, you experience it in the challenge, but those people that experience that in the challenge also sometimes even get paying clients within the challenge. So it's like that. So it works out. And what's also beautiful about that is you never, you never have to worry about false promises catching up with you. Like, I love what Mark Twain said. He said, if you never lie, you don't have to have a good memory. (laughs) I love that one. Right. And I'm not saying that we're perfect in all ways, but it's kind of that whole thing of we can say, hey, listen, if the challenge works for you, you're going to love us. If the challenge doesn't work for you, you will not. And that's no harm, no foul. That's what I love. And and I also say the challenge model for us is webinars are, are fine. Webinars are great. But a webinar model is usually 45 minutes to 90 minutes of content. But it's kind of like anybody can nail a job interview. I want to see that they can do the job. And I think the people we attract often have that same mindset. They want to know. And so it's like, ah, take it for a test drive for a week, see what happens. Right. To take that even one step further, because you attract a certain type of person, the community that you build, oftentimes the people I've interacted with through the membership, through the course, they're like-minded. And so that's it's really a bunch of cool people. I'm always amazed, having built a couple of businesses, how ownership or leadership of the company can dictate what the personalities are like, not just from the clients, but obviously the employees. And it's kind of very similar to what you've developed because you've got a lot of really cool people that are clients, that are customers of of the program. It's so wild. Tyler, I'm with you. Like, I I did not grow up a cool kid. You know what I mean? I was not (laughs) at the cool kids table. And I'm like, man, now I got got a group of cool kids. They're all hanging out with me for crying out loud. You know, I do feel wildly blessed, but I I agree with you. You know, birds of feather flock together and it's a trite statement, but it's true. And it's one of those things that if people feel that, and a challenge model is just one thing, right? Like I know your listeners, there's a lot of different entrepreneurs, a lot of different things, but it's, it's that thinking through how can you put value out there that truly are, you know, is going to be considered generous by your ideal client and maybe be repelling by your anti-client, right? But it's that, what kind of things can you put out there that's generous, that attracts them, but also helps them to truly know who you are, right? So that, you know, whether it's a product, whether it's a service, 
for those right people, they're going to say, I want to spend more time with Tyler. I want to spend more, you know, I want to use this product. I love this company. I want to shift gears. We're now talking a little bit about entrepreneurs and that's business owners and entrepreneurs are the listeners here. Yes. And so I know that's a type of client you serve a lot. Can you share with me, what are the common challenges that you face, that your clients face that come to you for, and how do you help them overcome it? What is there a common type of thing that they're facing and trying to overcome? Absolutely. So, you know, I've been coaching since 2002. And so my coaching has really evolved over time. And I think sometimes your coaching also starts to reflect who you are, what you've done, all of those things. So I work with a lot of different people, but, uh, you know, a lot of my clients now are entrepreneurs and founders who have hit a success and they're looking at like they can see that next season, whether it's right in front of them or they know it's around the corner and they know some changes are coming and they want to actually be intentional about making the changes as opposed to being, you know, having the changes forced upon them. So what's interesting is, is that most of the people that I work with are very, very successful. Now, in some cases, if they're being honest, it's maybe been a while since they felt successful right? Like everybody around them would say, oh my gosh, yeah, that person's wildly successful, but they know maybe lately they haven't been pushing themselves or they've been feeling, maybe they haven't been feeling that novelty. Maybe they've, you know, that grit has not been there and they're not feeling as creative, all of those things. So oftentimes what I'm doing with those successful people is helping them get clear on what they want to do in this next season, what they want to make this next season to be, you know, all of that. So all that to be said, you know, my type of client, I'm, I'm guessing you'll really relate to this. And I'm guessing you're, you've got an audience of rock stars. So I'm sure that they'll <laughs> relate to this. But when I'm working with my clients, one of the things we talk about is how success can be great, but it can also be dangerous. Because oftentimes when we start to experience success in a given area with a company, an organization, whatever it is, a product line, a service, that there is a real temptation to not change anything. Like, don't break it, right? And one of the ways that we've gotten that success usually has been that we have been innovated. We have pushed ourselves. We have tried new things. We have experimented, all of those things. And so what's often the case with the people that I'm working with is first recognizing, okay, what has success been? But let's also look to the future and say, what do you want success to look like in five years? And I know that might sound trite, but I really dig into, especially with my founders and CEOs, I dig into it to say, hey, what do you want success to look like for your organization? But also, what do you really want success to look like for yourself, for you personally, for your life? And that oftentimes is where a lot of the epiphanies come because that's usually where the friction is happening is they've built something, but now they're going, crap. I don't actually let like it's every number and I've surpassed every number. I've I've hit everything that I thought. Every goal has been achieved, but I'm not in fact wanting what I've created now, or it's not that what I thought, or it's I've done it for five years and I'm a little tired of it, you know, that kind of thing. So it's helping them do that. So it starts with redefining or giving yourself permission to define success in new ways. It's also giving yourself permission to dream in new ways, right? And I know dreaming, that word, man, especially for entrepreneurs, I like my podcast is called Dream, Think, Do, and I was resistant to have dream in there, right? Because dream 
stand on its own, can feel real rainbows, butterflies, and little ponies, all that stuff. So I just call that out. But dreaming, it is important. And the reason why we call dream, think, do is the dreaming is where we say, what if? What would we love to achieve? What would we love to experience? What would we love to have out there in the world? And then the thinking is putting the plan in place. The doing is implementation. So for my clients, it's giving them a chance, giving them space, giving them some exercises to help them do that, to dream again. And for successful people, that feels risky because for some people, if they're being real honest, that next season looks like change again. And once we speak to that, once we speak to that tension, like, yeah, absolutely, that, that can feel scary. That can, but at the same time, if we can recognize that the difference between fear and euphoria is generally perspective, oftentimes, unless we're talking about some crazy man wielding a knife. But like when it comes to like going out and achieving things, oftentimes fear and excitement it's just one degree difference. It's how we look at it. And, and it's funny because a lot of times with my founders and entrepreneurs, as you can imagine, once we reframe that to go, yeah, that's fear. And doesn't that freaking feel good again? Don't you <laughs> feel alive again? Like, oh, that's why you got into this. It's an adventure and it's, it's a lot of fun. So helping them get clear, put a plan in place, and then start to implement like crazy. It is interesting. Successful people, sometimes I think the bar always raises in yeah. terms of expectations. So even though by definition, other people seem as successful, they start to think, hey, I'm at that same bar. I haven't raised the bar. And so it's really fascinating interacting and talking with people like that, because it's just once you that epiphany of this is the new challenge and this is the new risk in terms of taking that challenge and suddenly the juices flow and the fire, like you're talking about rekindles, it's exciting stuff. It really is. It is. It really is. And also it's that for successful people going and trying something new. Like that's one of the things I'll work with some of my clients on is just trying a new hobby. And it's funny because like some of you know, some of my successful people, they've been doing what they've done for 20 plus years. They've been rocking it. They've created something amazing, but it's been a long time since they've allowed themselves to do something as simple as taking a, you know, a painting class or a martial art or something like that. And it's been a long time since they felt like a novice at anything. So that's one of the things that I do with my clients sometimes. It's like, hey, where do you want to intentionally be a novice? Just to get them out of their comfort zone. Yeah, exactly. Wow, wow. Hey, in your book, Ignite, which I love, and I try to reread every so often. I appreciate that. Creates motivation for me and kind of gets my juices flowing. Yeah. One of the things you talk about is people learning things wrong. Can you kind of explain that and what that means and maybe even how we overcome it? Absolutely. There's a lot of different things to that, but it's it's one of those that oftentimes when we go to pursue a dream, when we go to pursue a goal, we'll have self-dialogue that will say, oh, I can't do that. And that is based on something you've learned in the past, whether it's something somebody told you or an experience that went sideways or just a fear that you've never really gone against. And to be able to recognize and say, I have that thought. And that is a thought is to say, oh, I can't do that. 
Well, if you are thinking that thought, there's a very good chance that your brain now is also trying to amass evidence to back up that thought. And again, it might come in the form of something your aunt said, or that one grade that you got on the English Composition 101 test or essay as a junior in high school. And all of a sudden you started to make these assumptions, oh, I'm not a good communicator. Well, that could have been a case as a junior, but it also could be that that particular approach didn't work with you. I don't know about you, but I love writing now. I was not necessarily good at English class because I'm a bad speller right. <laughs> and I can't remember the rules. But, it, you know, it's one of those where it's like now as adults, a lot of the time as we communicate, one of the best ways to do that is communicate in a way that sounds conversational. So the very things that got me bad grades in high school English composition by Mrs. Spiker. That was her <laughs> name. Biker, right? Who was amazing, right? And incredible what she did. For a long time, I walked away going, oh man, I must be a bad communicator. I'm not a good writer because I wasn't good at that particular thing. Now I had learned something and my brain could actually back that up with truth. But if I change that context slightly, that is now no longer true. And I need to go and search out or create new truths. And so that's that's a specific example. You know, here you are reading one of my books which is something I never thought I could do because I thought I was a bad communicator. But when I changed that context and learned something new, that old truth remained true in that you haven't seen me write an AP literary essay on Shakespeare and all of that. You're not seeing that anymore, <laughs> right? But when I want to write a book about helping somebody get clear on dreams and address some of those fears and have it sound like it's a conversational tone, well, I'm actually pretty good at that. So I had to go and learn that new truth. So the old truth remains true, but with new context, I can introduce new truth. And my brain then also searches for evidence to back that up. And so that's also a beautiful thing. So sometimes when you start to go and set a new goal, maybe when you're posed with a new opportunity to give a presentation, all of a sudden truths might come up of, oh, I didn't do very well in speech class, or I really bombed that last talk or that last presentation in front of a group or PowerPoint freaking crashed. And then I look like an idiot and I'm terrible at speaking. All those things like those can all be truths and that's fine. But to be able to say, hey, in this new opportunity, what's some potential new truth to be able to say, all right, I'm going to introduce some new skill sets. I'm going to learn some new strategies. I'm going to recognize that this is a different scenario, different setting, different group of people, which provides me a new opportunity. So it's recognizing those things could in fact be true, but to give yourself new contact, new, new perspective, and in fact, new strategy sometimes to establish new truth. Yeah. That, I could talk with you all day on that stuff. That, that so resonates with me in so many areas. I, I am so thankful, by the way, that the internet has created a lower bar. You hear they say fifth grade writing is where writing should be at now. Right. Used to, I think, be seventh grade or ninth grade. It keeps going down every year. It keeps going down. And, and all I keep saying is, well, it's getting close to my writing ability. So we're oh, almost yeah. there. I've got a fourth grade <laughs> sense of humor. So a fourth grade writing level? Hell yeah, right? Like, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and what's funny is, is that I think the way we're teaching people things is going to evolve as well. Because you could say it's a lower bar, but in some ways it's an evolving bar, right? Like, because it's one of those things where it's like, we no longer write like William Shakespeare, right? which is, is fantastic. That's an evolution, right? Now, some people would say, and look at how we're becoming idiots, right? It's like, 
Okay. Well, at the same time, though, you can make the argument to say, all right, if a fifth grade level writing, right? Now, sometimes that could be truly idiots ranting, right? And, and whatever, pick your subject. But if if a communication style can reach someone, if it can move someone, if it can connect in a deeper way, should we dismiss it? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Great point. That whole thing of like, I look at the writing style, high schools teach you how to write an essay. How many essays have you written since you got out of high school, right? I think that we probably should introduce, and I know so many teachers, I have teachers should be paid triple whatever they're being paid. They should be given their angel's wings immediately, all of that, right? Like there are teachers that are really trying to write a lot of the things, but it's like, that's a great example of being able to say, let's teach students the strategies and skills that they need for today. Like, I don't know about you, but I have not used calculus, but man, if I could have gotten a coding class in school, now that didn't exist when I was in school. Cause I, you know, was in school during wagon trains. <laughs> I know now the difference between the opportunity to set up a WordPress site and understand a little bit of code versus how often I'm using calculus. It's like, we, that probably means we should be looking at some things. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Hey, I wanted to ask you, you've interviewed some some very famous people and your most recent one was uh, Jillian Michaels. Yeah. Out of curiosity, what's it like to interview someone that famous? What are your takeaways? I mean, do you just go, it's like any other one, anyone else that you've interviewed or do you kind of get a different vibe or I'm just kind of curious? Yeah. So that's, that's a great question. We could talk about that for hours. So yeah, I've been you know wildly blessed to have some amazing people on. I've had Oscar winners and New York Times bestselling authors, Brendan Burchard, Lewis Howes, Jillian Michaels recently, Sarah Haynes, who's on The View and, and all of this. So just some amazing people, some incredible CEOs, all of that. So wildly, wildly blessed. And I think one of the things, and you'll appreciate this, this won't surprise you, but one of the things that I have to constantly remind myself is these people are in fact humans. And no matter what success they've achieved or currently achieving, they are also, I guarantee it, facing some sort of monumental challenge that probably most people don't know about. And I don't necessarily need to know about it, but I just know it's there because we're human beings and we're all in this journey. And so it's remembering, and I, sometimes it's hard because I get, I'll, I'll just say, sometimes I get a little bit excited about some of the people that I'm going to interview just because I've been impacted by their story or I love what they're doing, or I want to do what they're doing, you know, all of that. And so I just have to breathe and just remember this person's a human. Part of it is taking a second, like Jillian, I, I don't think she'll mind me saying at all that she is an incredible person. She is somebody, lover or hater, I love her not because we agree on every front, but I love her, man. She is like, she knows who she is and she's not bashful about it. And she's had to learn that the hard way. Like she's somebody I would totally go have a beer with. Now, what's interesting is she's phenomenally successful. One of the things people don't know this, but she's produced 20 DVDs. Her company has produced 20 DVDs that have sold over a hundred million copies. That's just one thing that she's done. She is, I called her a juggernaut as an entrepreneur, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, what's interesting about her is she got on seven minutes late. And that happens, especially with the big, big people, their schedules are nuts, all that stuff. Well, she's also in the middle of a freaking move. So I could find myself, uh, to be perfectly honest, probably being too candid, but Tyler, we're, you know, we're real, right? So seven minutes, I'm waiting, nothing from her team on why she's late or anything like that. And there's a part of me that's like, ah, oh, crap. 
she forgot or ah crap she looked she looked and maybe decided last minute we're not big enough or what you know all those doubts and then i'm kind of like i've been waiting seven freaking minutes like i got stuff to do i could be <laughs> using this time you know like there was a little bit of offense that started to creep in sure and then i, I took a breath and i'm like hey if she hops on this thing i bet i bet a lot's going on so just shut up be kind extend some grace have some fun all of that and then the big thing was I had to remind myself, don't rush. Just because she might be in a rush, you're not in a rush. Relax. And she hopped on. Sure enough, she was just, uh, she felt terrible. And she's in the middle of a move. She had sold her house. You know, properties are nuts. She's in California. They're moving to Florida. She's selling her house. They put their house on the market, sold in like two days. So all of a sudden they had to be out. Their house isn't ready. They're in limbo, all this stuff. She's in a friend's house. She was trying to get on the Wi-Fi, all this kind of stuff. Came in kind of on fire, frazzled, wanting to be there, you know, all this kind of thing. And so I just took a second and we just talked like, how are you? Like, what's going on? You know, and just kind of met her where she was at. And we wound up just having a blast, just talking. And then I was like, oh crap, we probably better get to the interview. So by the time we got to the interview, it was like we were old friends. Like it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. And so just remembering no matter who the person is, they're probably having incredible successes, but they're also, I guarantee it, having some sort of challenge. And that's something I try to remind myself on everybody I interact with, you know, whether they're in a great mood or a crappy mood, whether they're driving a beautiful car or a crappy car, whatever, you know, everybody's having successes in some way and everybody's going to have significant challenges. And usually they're right in the middle of their, you know, a pretty big challenge. So just meeting people where they're at and remember they're human. That's awesome. One thing you said really hit home with me that I, in my own personal growth is when you were waiting the seven minutes, it's natural to start to kind of feel like, Hey, I'm busy too. And it's very easy to get caught up in that. And I, you know, I'm not very proud of this, but I think in my younger days, you know, I would kind of think the worst or I would get frustrated and agitated. And I think if there's one thing I've made in my life, a change is being more gracious in those situations. And it's, it's not only does it form better relationships, but it makes you feel so much better about yourself in terms of just looking at the bigger picture of things. So that's awesome. Before we wrap up here, I got one last question. Yeah. I want to talk to you about. You got a a new sidekick. It's Haro. Yes. He's on your Facebook all the time. He is. Tell me a little bit about it because it looks like you guys are getting pretty close. We are. He's the cutest thing ever. I'll put a picture in the show notes. I appreciate that. Yes. So we have a brand new puppy. His name is Hero. He is an Akita, which, if people are familiar with that breed, it's basically a horse in a dog costume. So his dad is 120 pounds. He has tripled in size in the last four or five weeks. So, I mean, he is on a steady growth curve. He's fantastic. We are dog people. So my wife and I have pretty much had dogs our entire marriage, which we're getting close to 30 years. So 30 years of dogs. And what's interesting is, is that way back when we were in school, when my wife and I had just married, she was still in grad school. We went out to Boston to look at law schools for me because I thought about going to law school. And I came across an Akita. That was the first time I saw an Akita. And I'm like, this dog is amazing. It's majestic. It's incredible. I want one. But then as I dug into the breed, I really found out they are an incredibly loyal breed. They need to be very connected with their owner, those kinds of things. And so we've had various different dogs, but I've never allowed myself to get an Akita just because it wasn't the right time. And I always say, you know, there are dreams 
that you have that it may not be the right season for that dream, but give yourself permission to still have those dreams. Don't call those bad dreams. Those are good dreams. It's just not the right season for that dream. Well, interestingly enough, COVID, a lot of things shifted with our business. I've actually really enjoyed those changes, which has meant less travel for me. We were able to do a lot more uh, you know, online and things like that. And so we decided that recently our, our older dog passed away. And so we decided it was time to, to get an Akita. So at 51 years old, I have a puppy, which feels like at 51, I have a baby. <laughs> but it's funny because each dog that we have, oftentimes one will gravitate towards my wife, one will gravitate towards me. Our last was an Australian Shepherd. And that was, she was soundly my wife's dog, the right hand, all of that. She was so smart. The dog was so smart. She just looked at me like if I just had opposable thumbs, you'd be out of here, you know, all of those (laughs) things, right? So it's funny, this doubles back to what we talked about earlier of giving yourself the chance to be a novice at something because it's been 12 years since we had a puppy. It's been 12 years since I've had to potty train a dog. And this puppy, he is brilliant. He's beautiful. He is a, just a majestic dog, but it's hilarious. It's it's having to learn everything again. And that's what they always say. There's never a bad dog. It's usually just a bad owner, right? right? So it's helping them learn and all of that. It's funny. I even recorded a podcast talking about Hero and I was talking about, you know, all the things we've been learning, all of his breakthroughs. And while we did, he was at my feet, got up, moved a foot and peed. <laughs> so, you know, right in the middle of me bragging about him, he peed on my toe, you know? So it's like, oh, okay, all right. You know, it's a messy thing. Right. But I will say that it's been a great experience so far, not easy, but a great experience so far. And I'm relearning a lot of things, being reintroduced to a lot of things, being reminded of a lot of things. And, and I think a big part of that is allowing yourself to be a novice to something and allowing yourself to step into messy once in a while intentionally, because that's what makes life rich. It's definitely a bad owner when you have a dog that maybe has some bad habits or bad traits. We recently, uh, I've got a three, I've got multiple dogs. I'm a big dog person too. Yeah. And disclaimer, I didn't know when I asked if you would be a guest on the show, that you were such a hardcore dog person. I actually included a picture of a dog and and I wasn't pulling on your hardest streaks. I didn't know. Oh, I'm like, this guy's a genius. He knows me. Yeah, I got to put a disclaimer there. Yeah. Uh, no, but long story short, I've got this dog, Stormy. We adopted him from Thailand. He's a rescue. And this guy wow. is just a little monster. I mean, he just does whatever it takes to get your attention, tear stuff up. We spent, I don't want to share how much we spent on training. And the problem isn't the training. The problem is me. <laughs> so I can really tell you, I, I get that loud and clear. Yeah. So anyway, I can't thank you enough for being on the show today and talking with us. It's been super exciting. It way is even more exciting than I had anticipated it being you such a cool dude. If people wanted to reach out to you, where's the best place to do that? How should they contact you? Absolutely. The easiest way is to just go to MitchMatthews.com, which Tyler, we spent our whole marketing budget coming up with that name. So creative, right? But MitchMatthews.com, that's where you'll be able to find out more about the things that we're up to, the you know Dream Thing Do podcast. You'll be able to see all the previous interviews and some of the, the most popular, that kind of thing are there as well. And lots of lots of free stuff there. So we definitely welcome you. And, and that will kind of help you to find everything else. Cool. And Matthews is with two T's. Correct. Thank you. Just to clarify, because I always get it wrong. Yeah, absolutely. We have Matthews with one T in our family. So apparently, like my grandma did a bunch of research and some one tiers thought they'd really <laughs> give the two tiers the what for by dropping a T, you know? Hilarious. So yeah. So I appreciate the clarification though. Sure, sure. And I'll put it in the show notes too. So if anybody wants to go to thinktyler.com, they'll be 
show notes, uh, links, awesome. picture of hero will definitely yes. be there. Mitch, thanks again. Really appreciate it. You've, you're just a blessing to so many people personally, to me, you have been, thank you for your time. Oh, thank you. Thanks for doing this. I'm glad it's, it's one of those, when I saw you were doing the podcast, it's like, well, finally, finally. So I love it. I'm glad. And it's an honor to be here. Thanks, man. Really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for listening today. I wanted to ask you a few questions. Is your business running on all cylinders? The answer to this question for most business owners is often, no, it's not. So I'd ask that you pause for a second and just really think about that. Is your business hitting on all cylinders? Some signs that it may not would be you're working long hours, you're frustrated by the financial performance of your business, you know you need to build a high-performing team, but you're just not sure how to do it. If any of these things sound like areas that you could use improvement and get more out of your business, someone like myself, a certified business coach, you might benefit from greatly. I offer a free short intro meeting. You can book it at tylermeeting.com. That's T-Y-L-E-R meeting.com. The purpose of the meeting is just for us to get to know each other and see if possibly if I can help you. So go ahead and book that. Once again, it's tylermeeting.com. And last, lastly, and most importantly, I sure hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you're getting something out of them. I'm trying hard to have guests that can share their experiences and can help you grow uh, your business, improve your personal life, and just get the freedom out of your business that you probably envisioned when you started it. So thanks again for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric House Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Yeah.